0: So I want to, I'm just going to read this again because I think scripture does so much more than even words I can put to it. It says Acts 2, 42 through 47. And this was last week. And we're going to be moving a little bit forward into this. Uh, In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the uh, the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved." When I talk about life groups, this is what I'm talking about. Living life in that kind of way. Life groups is just a word. The, wor- the reason why I'm using the- this terminology is because then we all have the same terminology. It's not like it's a special program. It's not like it's a special name. It's just so we all know what that is when we're talking about it. So, and this week is part two of what happens Because they devoted themselves to those four things of the teaching of the word, of fellowship, of breaking the bread, and prayer, their devotion resulted into these, what we're going to talk about today. The first one is, because of those things, number one, the caring of the church family. When they did these things, there was a true caring. I love this quote by Robbie Gallaty. It says this, need plus awareness equals responsibility. So if you see a need and you are aware of it, you have a responsibility. And that's what they were doing in caring for the church family. I think sometimes us, uh, we as people think, oh, we're good people. You know, we're, we're doing the right things. Um, I, would, I could offer a lot of stories to differ that. Even, even one story, I, I really find, there, there was a cop. He got a distress call at a house. And so, of course, he comes flying in with the, the lights going on, flying to the house, make sure, and then when he gets there, he says that he saw two neighbors out there, uh, both with leaf blowers, blowing leaves at each other. And they were seriously, uh, seriously mad at each other. Now, just imagine that, like the leaves and them being angry at each other doing that. I don't think that was really caring for the church family. And I think sometimes we think about it, but we lose sight of need and responsibility. The problem is, a lot of times, is we as Americans are self-sustaining. Like, we can take care of ourselves, right? for the most part, we can handle things. We were talking, uh, I was talking the other day and the, it really triggered is most of the time when we need something, we just go buy it. We don't ask anyone, even though we know someone down the street might have it or one of our friends, we, it's like, ah, I can take care of myself. I can do it. I can handle it. Even though a lot of times you have stuff that you wish people would ask you because you would love to help out, but you're not that close, because you really don't know the other person's needs, and you're not really aware of them, because we, in America, like keeping people just arm distance away to do the Heisman pose, and basically keep people just like, oh, I I love you, but you know, I'm gonna do this, you know? Because when you really see needs, you are aware of it, you have to do something, Because you're responsible. Because Christ has put that on your heart. Because there's caring of the church family. But when you devote to these things, you will see the results of truly living it out. It says in verse 46, They were glad and they had sincere hearts. Why were they glad? Why did they have sincere hearts? They didn't have anything. You know That was the difference. We are self sustaining they needed each other. They needed each other. Most of them were poor, most of them were, had been traveling, most of them didn't, they had now just become new believers. They didn't have everything, they needed each other. But it says they were glad and had sincere hearts us in America can go buy almost anything we want, and does it seem like we're glad? Does it seem like we're happy? You know, and there's people that do, but then there's stories about Deion Sanders. He is one of the richest people, was a two-star athlete, and throughout sports, and he contemplated suicide, driving his Ferrari off the side of the cliff, because he wasn't glad he wasn't, he didn't have he didn't have proper fellowship with other believers you can have everything you can have the whole world and it still will not be enough what are we chasing and are we caring for our church family do we see the needs and then are we responsible and I think with all that, if that happens, then we, it leads to the next result. And this is where we're going to be for a little bit, is number two, unified in Christ and unified together. When you are caring for the church family, I, I think there's this unity in Christ and un, uh, unity together. And we're going to be uh, in Acts 4, 32 through 35. So if you want to go there, we're going we're gonna to be there for a little bit. It talks about this. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there were were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and, as, and put it in the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone who had need. At this time, the whole community is thriving because there is a unity of heart and soul. Vanderhaust notes this expression that when it talks about one in heart and mind and one in soul. It is the equivalent of one spirit. And it pointed to true, real, authentic friendship. If we go back a little bit in verse 24, if you look at verse 24, it says this. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. He spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our our David. They weren't just living life together. They were connected. They were unified. And they were unified in Christ. And because of this, they were unified together. They were even praying, calling out to God together in prayer and in song and doing that. And that's what we get to do when we sing. It is singing to God, but it's also what brings us together. Christ. We, we, are, we are connected because of what Christ has done, and that is what brings us together. And we are united in that. And the reason that they were united in Christ was because in verse 33, they continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I want you to know today that Jesus Christ has risen. He died and rose again, and that is what the scripture is all about. He is now ascended and sitting at the right hand of God. That is what was continuing to be taught to them. Most of them were Jewish people. They had known the Old Testament. They had known and they had seen it all. They had known what was coming. They were waiting for the Messiah, and now Jesus comes in, and it's like that final puzzle to the piece, and they, they see it all. That's why they were baptized, and that's why they were ready, and that's why they exalt. And that is what we got to rest on and continue to build on. I'm telling you, what unites us isn't our, our style of hair, our lack of hair, or no hair at all. Our is not the way we look, the way we talk, or that we speak the same English or Spanish. Or that, that does not unite us. What unites us is that we all trust on the rock that Jesus Christ died and rose again, And that's what we we gotta continue to rest on. That's what united them. Not a good sermon series. I'm being honest. Like that, it's not. It is on Christ alone, our cornerstone. It's so beautiful. And I love I would just write these scriptures down. Uh, maybe uh, Many of you might know them. These are good, uh, as I continue to challenge you, if you're trying to challenge to learn memory verses, these are great ones to know. Uh, John 11, 25 through 26 says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. John 8, 24 Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. And the one most of you have heard, but it's great to remember, is John 14, 6. I am the way, truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Those are fighting words. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like sometimes we have made Jesus into this super- like, nice guy, super, like, doesn't offend anyone, like, <laughs> that, that's not what I'm get, getting from even these verses. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, did he do it out of love? Of course, but there is power and authority in his words. We can't lose that. That is what unites us. And what we get to do is we get to look through all of Scripture, and we get to see God's beauty and his plan to redeem humans. And no other human except Jesus meets these qualifications at all. And Christ calls us to be united together. I love this quote from Guzik. Uh, He puts it this way. He says, The Christian life is meant to be full of fellowship and sharing with one another. We share the same Lord Jesus We share the same guide for life. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship him. We share the same struggles. We share the same victories. We share the same job of living for him. We share the same joy of communicating the gospel. These are the things that connect us. These are the things that connect us. What a beautiful, the Bible connects. It's all of what Jesus has done. Not because we're the same age. Not because we drive the same car. It, those things are meaningless. It is what Christ has done. As we continue to look through the scripture here uh, in Acts 4, it, it talks about fellowship. And that's where the, the koinonia part comes back up. It's, it talks about terms of sharing and partnering with other people. This shows the connectedness and the participation and sharing that of possessions. So because of all the gathering of the resources to meet the needs, there was literally no one lacking anything in the community. And what, what is great is this actually goes back, uh, and if you, it actually goes back to Deuteronomy 15. So it goes back to Deuteronomy 15 and it says this, Deuteronomy 15 says this, There will be no poor among you, however, because the Lord is certain to bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. What an honor it is to start fulfilling the law, what God had talked about in Deuteronomy. Because they were doing it in the church. They were fulfilling the needs of the church. They were fulfilling it so there was no needs. And Deuteronomy says that's the way God will provide. We'll move on to the next point because I could sit here all day. But there is a, a quote from Wiersbe that uh, talks about this, and I, I really do appreciate it, about Acts four thirty two through 37. He says this, The believers had prayed, and God's Spirit had built them and given them new power. The new fullness of the Spirit treat a deeper unity among the people and a greater desire to sacrifice and share with one another. They enjoyed great power and great grace, which are to be the marks of a great church. Let me read that. They enjoyed great power and great grace, which are to be the marks of a great church. This led to a great and gathering of souls to the Lord. And which leads to our final point. It means living on mission. Living on mission. Reading this commentary, uh, and uh, Guzik talks about how the, cu- the custom, especially during Pentecost, was to open up your house because everyone is traveling to Jerusalem. And so there was basically a standard that basic needs, if people came into your house, were all taken care of food, place to sleep, they, it was all taken care of. You know, there was, it was a, a family because what united them was there. And that was the, the culture. But what the Christians did is they made that an everyday thing. We, we can do it for the Christmas. Yeah, people can come over. I want to I give the turkey away at Thanksgiving. You know, I want to do that. But what Christians were called to do is to live it daily. Not seasonally. Not through little things. They were supposed to see needs basically be responsible for. And that's what we're called to do. We're supposed to live missionally. We're not supposed to live like, hey, yeah, on Sunday, I'll be locked in. Maybe Monday? By Tuesday, I'm pretty much done because work's horrible. Like, the, this, is a, this is a call. This, is, this isn't a pick or choose kind of thing. And you know what? I don't always love doing these lessons because it's convicting as all get out. It's convicting because there's times where I want to take time off in the sense. Uh, I, I was watching this video and said, what well, if you just sat at home one night and were just like, totally like, God, what's one thing that I could give right now? And just pray and seek for that night. Because I guarantee you, there's probably something God will put on your heart. And you know what? Already, God, what's so funny is God, so I was like, okay. The problem is, if I'm going to ask the church to do it, I have to do it. Not always fun. Not always. Because usually I I feel like I have long days. So at night, like I like to just have my wind down time. You know, just sort of like, hey, I want to do this. I will watch some YouTube. I'll do this, and I'm not saying any of that's bad, but God was convicting me. It's like, why don't you just go to bed? Like, I, I was like, I was praying. It was like, I'm tired. I'm like, it's like because I don't want to, because this is my time. This is what I get. This is this is me. I'm not living on mission. I'm living on John time. I think I'll obviously I'll do that. It's like, oh, I put in the work. I did nine to five. I lived really good. But am I living on mission? Am I living that way? And I really feel that way is that sometimes we get caught off. We don't live on mission. We have that time where it's, oh, I got to do Netflix. I'm not saying downtime is bad. I'm not, I'm, we're not, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I also think that so many times we get caught off and we're not living on mission. There's going to be opportunities where we have to decide, okay, I haven't read the Bible in three days. Is watching another binge show of Netflix what's best for me? Because that's the rub. There's a rub. There is a battle for, there's a battle going on. And I think sometimes we forget that. Evil wants to win. We keep saying right now that when we look at the world and it's like, I don't think we're following God's path. And we look at other people, my challenge to you is what's in your heart. Are we living on mission? Are we living missionally? And this is what I what I talk about when I talk about life groups. Some people will just say, "Oh, it's just another thing, it's just another program." I, I, I don't believe that. I think this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live missionally. We're supposed to be providing needs for our friends, other believers, and our neighbors. When you live um, missionally, when you live missionally, you'll also intentionally pray. How is your prayer life? I've challenged you guys that on the past. The continual When's the last time you've weeped for a friend that you know does not know God? When's the last time you've prayed for a friend? When's the last time that you've prayed for the sick? If you're missional, let's go to the source. Because sometimes when people get on mission, they think that it's on them. Here's the shocking thing. God already loves you. And it's all him. This is not about, hey, I'm doing more to earn God's love. No, but you're on mission because you know what God has done for you. I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. Florida State, last week, my team, football, playing LSU down at the Superdome down in Louisiana. Florida State's up. They basically have the game won. There's two minutes to go in the game. They basically are, they're up seven. They're at the one-yard line to score again. And if they score, or even if they kneel, they basically kick a field goal. They're up 10 with a minute to go. It's over. Not with my team. They pitch the ball, and they fumble at the one-yard line. The other team gets the ball. Yeah, thanks, Bob. He's <laughs> like, yeah. yep. They end up scoring, so the last play, the guy uh, gets the ball, there's like two to one seconds left, his knee's inbounds, but they call him out of bounds, they're going to score, and if he was called inbounds, the game would have been over, Florida State wins, but they called him out of bounds, I'm like, no, so they get one play left, they're down seven. They end up throwing a pass and scoring a touchdown. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I was like, I don't want to go to overtime. It's late. Please block this kick. Or please miss it. Please miss it. And it was blocked. Florida State won. I went back into high school. I started jumping up and down. I was excited. You know, it's just a game. I get it. I was so excited that I ran upstairs to tell my wife, who cares less about football? She doesn't care at all, not one bit. She thought there was an incident. Are you okay? Like she's like barely up, like what are you doing? And I'm just like, forest State one, I know you don't care but I just gotta tell you that was fun, exciting, I'm going back downstairs. Run there. And as I'm going downstairs, I was like, do I have that passion about Jesus? Am I that excited to tell people about what Jesus has done for me? He's done a lot more than block a kick. Like, are we that passionate about what Jesus has done in our lives? We're jumping up and down a little bit, a little bit excited. Because if you didn't know, I'm a sinner and I deserve death. But because of him, I get life, which I don't deserve. How awesome is that? Woo! And that's what we need to be excited about. That's what living on mission is about. It's not living for yourself. It's knowing the true, true king of all, and that is Lord Jesus. The reason why I'm talking about this is because I want to build a foundation so you know what life groups are what living life together is, because it would have been really easy for me to be like, hey, we're going to start some groups, we're going to have a sign-up sheet, and we're going to do this and that, but that would just be another thing to do. I don't want another thing to do. I don't think the church needs another thing to do, but I do think it has to, church has a mission, and that is what we're called to do. So in a couple weeks, we well the end of October or in October sometime we will be having some sign-up opportunities for you if you want to partake in life groups, or if you want to lead groups. Now life groups are once again they are open invitation. They are uh, basically a time where people could gather at your home, that we to gather in the church. If you're like, hey, we want some times at the church. We want some where you are intentional, but we'd love it to be at your homes as well, where you can invite your neighbors. And I also think this, it's so much easier than doing it by yourself when you do it with other people. So I want you to be praying about maybe, who can I do this with? Who are the families? Maybe there's a couple other people in your community you're like, hey, would you love to do this? Are there some other people that you're like, hey, let's live life together? You know, it's really interesting, and we talked about the library group already, the library group is sort of already like a life group. You know why? Because they see each other every week. They have a common goal they their in a mission. there. There's a couple things I that don't do it, but they know each other. You know how they know each other? It's because they're around each other. I uh, went over to uh, Brian uh, Moore's house because he invited our family over, and which was really nice, and the food was great, and thanks, Brian. Uh, uh, but you know what? I've known Brian for a long time. I've known him for quite a while, you know? Actually, since Camp Mac days, when I used to go as a camper. I, so I, I've known him for a longevity of time. We've gone through the, the process of getting this job. I had to be around him more than I wanted to, and it's okay. But you know what? That two to three hours, I learned more about Brian than I had known, even though the longevity. Because we were living life together. We were having conversation. You know what, I started knowing how he processed life a little bit better. I sort of started seeing some of his needs, and I think he started seeing some of mine. That's what I'm asking us to do, is not to keep the distance is to start pulling each other in. And it's going to be messy. And it, it, it usually is. But that usually gets messy when we forget, forget what unites us. What unites us is Jesus Christ. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. God did not just give us each other just for messiness. He gave us, it's beautiful. It's this beautiful tapestry. But I'm calling you to take that risk. I'm calling you to think about it. Maybe, hey, maybe me and this other family, every Monday night, we're going to have, well, we'll do it Tuesday night. We'll do it Taco Tuesday. You know, and I'll do it one night at my house, and then the other night, we'll do it at your house, so it's not that much pressure. But we just want to have our neighbors over, and we want to be able to live life together. And there might be some times where not a lot of people show up, but that's okay because we're together. It's got to be intentional. It's got, it, it has to be. Because we're intentional about everything else. I'm a, I'll be at work on time. I'll do this kind of, I'll do this. I got to make sure I watch my shows. I got to do, I got to be, well, we have to be intentional about loving each other. And maybe you're like, I am in no position to lead. But I would love to be part of a group. You know, there's been so many good conversations like, you know, the only, main reason I do this is just because I feel involved. We talked last week about so much about loneliness. How people are lonely. And how COVID did not help the situation. Social media does not help the situation. The depression going on right now at the high school level with girls is an epidemic. It scares me. My prayers are a little bit different over my daughters now. There's loneliness. But you know what? We're not called to be lonely. We're not called to do it by ourselves. We're called to be together. How awesome is that? And so maybe that is just where like, yeah, I just, I just wanna be a part of this and to, to see it work. And maybe that's where you're at too. But I want you to be praying about it. This is not a check mark. Oh, look at me, look what I'm doing. No, 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 I don't want that. I want you to be able to be able, and you could be like, ah, John, I just wanna show up Sundays and do some, so that's fine too but I'm also letting you know this is what our heartbeat's supposed to be. Not because John's got a cool idea. It's in the Bible. I want to live this out. I don't, want, I don't want to live out John's ideas. We'd be watching Florida State every Saturday. <laughs> and then we'd be crying over IU basketball losses. It would get ugly. But we're called to live this out. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do that. And, and some people can do that really well. Oh, I love being social, and some can't. And that's why we have to be able to create the opportunity to do that. So I want you guys to wrestle with that and to pray about that with your time. Like I said, and I'll keep saying, this will take time. I'm not having to sign up today. I'm not doing that because I don't want a microwave meal. Getting annoyed. I want, the, I want a meatloaf meal. Things take time. It took two to three hours just of conversation when I was at Brian's to get to know him more. Then take a two minute conversation. It takes time. And I still don't know him fully, but it's that, that growth. And as I continue to get to know each one of you, it takes time. But I want you guys to be in it with me as well. But if everything is done well, we will see the results of our devoted lives living out the word of God to the best of our abilities. And I like, to t- like God to take care of everything else. I love, I just want to end with this, because it said um, up here in Acts 2, I'll go back to Acts 2, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to the numbers daily those who were being saved. We are supposed to live it out missionally. God does the rest. God does the rest. This is just we're supposed to live it out. Let's live it out, and let God does all the credit. I I don't save nobody. You don't save nobody. God does it. But we're still called to live missionally. We're still called to live with this purpose, and so that's where I want you to wrestle with in my living missionally. Big on application. Am I living missionally? Is that what God has called me to do? Maybe it's tonight you're being like, God, what am I supposed to give up? Maybe am I supposed to go to bed earlier? I need to be more committed on memorizing scripture. Whatever that is, give time to God for that. And then I also want you to pray about what do these life groups look like in my life, God? How am I supposed to live out? Am I open to people? Do I keep people at arm's length the way? Because what will happen really quickly is the week will get right back on you and you won't really have time to process this. So I want you to process this because we're supposed to be doing it together. So when someone falls, we can help pick them up and help lift them as we go through. I love you guys. I really do. And this is my heart because of what the Bible's put on my heart. And that's why... I've been diving in discipleship and life groups so much. It's because I think we could continue to live it out better. We already have a family environment here. And it's great. But I want to continue to put the right logs on it so it flames up to give glory to God. Let's pray. any Father, thank you so much for today. I pray for each person's heart wherever they're at. Some people are all on board already, and some people are very hesitant. You know what? You work in their hearts wherever they're at. I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you died and rose again for a sinner like me and a sinner like us. Be with us as we contemplate this stuff. Be with us in our prayer time that we can wrestle with this stuff. That it's not about us, but it's about you, and how do we live together together. You are an amazing God. I thank you for this time. Be with us as we continue to go out this week. And may we not lose living on mission for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week.